You are Locked On Browns, your daily Cleveland Browns podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome back, my friends, to the show that never ends. Your daily delivery of all things Dog Pound, LGB on the LOB. The Lockdown Browns podcast is brought to you by the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. Your host, Jeff Lloyd, at Jeff underscore LJ underscore Lloyd. The show itself at Lockdown Browns, follow back account. DMs are always open for everybody who makes Lockdown Browns your first listen day in, day out. We greatly appreciate you. Keep sending over those Spotify wraps. Cannot get enough to see how much time, again, that you folks spend with us here on Locked On Browns. Today's episode is brought to you by Stat Hero. Stat Hero is the first of its kind daily fantasy sports platform where it's you versus the house in a head-to-head fantasy matchup. Winner takes all. Sign up for free right now at stathero.com slash locked on, all in caps. Use the promo code locked on for a 100% deposit match. As I've said, with the bye week, we're you know we have a little liberties here this week with you know no Browns action this Sunday, which for everybody might be a good thing. I think everybody can maybe uh, use the you know break from the heartache, the aspirin, or maybe even the alcohol that comes along with Browns game days. Uh, Brent Sobolewski here with me. Uh, Brent and the team over at Bleacher Report uh, just put out a recent big board. We're gonna go into that a little bit here. Uh, top 150 for now for the 2022 NFL Draft. But, you know, still have a team to talk about here on a daily basis, and obviously we're going to do that. First, uh, Brent, you and the fam, uh, look, man, calendar turns December, which is always difficult, I know, for guys like you, guys like me, because it's the wrap of the NFL season. But yet, hey, let's throw some more stuff on the plate because, you know, God knows, as a family and what we all do, it's crazy how some of the busiest parts of our jobs coincide with some of the busiest parts of actually trying to have a family. It does. And as you can see, we have the Christmas spirit going here in the house with my wonderful backdrop since, you know, I'm too old and outdated to actually have a backdrop of any sort for, from a professional stand standpoint. We got to call actually- somebody, but we got to get this stuff and we got to get this taken care of. Somebody help us out here. You own a pretty company. Call us, please. We're over 40, you know, so we don't count anymore. Uh, <laughs> it comes down to looking at, and you're absolutely correct, because I, I have to work Christmas Day, right? We all <laughs> do. If, we, if you're doing Browns uh, coverage, we all right. do. Um, and so I always joke that the regular season is the easiest part for me, because when once you get into free agency, the draft, um, you know, all the off-season minutia that happens basically on a monthly basis from event to event to event, that's when we're at our busiest, and that's when people are the most interested. And I'm not saying they're not interested during the season, but what I found funny in your introduction is that you said you prefaced the discussion of a little draft talk as bi-week, a bi-week just excursion, right? Uh, and here I thought we are giving up on a season and the Browns were done and then no one cared anymore. And we had to look towards a draft. So apparently that's my old Browns mentality. Right. <laughs> Peeking through a little bit. But I six and six, it is what it is. You're a mediocre football team. You have to start looking at how your roster is built, how you can improve in the short term and the long term and where what direction is teams ultimately going. 
Yeah, I already gotten a little feedback. Had Jordan Reed on yesterday, who's now with ESPN. And yeah, there are some people thrilled that we we're talking. Look, we've always talked draft. The problem is, is the team got good. So it, it was a lot easier to fill these five to six episodes per week, as opposed to in the old days, it was the Browns are playing so-and-so on Sunday. And then following that up with the Browns got their asses kicked by so-and-so on Sunday. Now here's going to be three episodes on the draft and you'll get your pregame show how they're going to lose again and yada, yada, yada. Um, but Brett, look, six and six and certainly disappointing, no doubt. And I think even more disappointing, you know, knowing that there is probably another game that they should have won Sunday night. And here we are. And I don't think anybody saw this coming. If we sat down here one calendar year ago, talking about this team, talking about this team's deficiencies on the defensive side of the ball, I don't think anybody would have fast forwarded to here we are going down the final five game stretch of the 2021 NFL season. And we're all ecstatic right now about the defense. We really like where this is headed. And we're looking at the offensive side of the ball going, geez, could you help him out here a little bit, guys? <laughs> well, the, the irony of the situation is the lack of complimentary football. And we've heard players and coaches mention this publicly. It's when you look at it, the defense was struggling early as they were trying to find their identity, figure out how best to play to the talent available to them. And as they struggled, the offense played well. Now the offense has had multiple injuries to uh, to multiple key performers. It's not just having one or two guys out. It's having your quarterback ding to high hell. It's having two your top two running backs out for a period of time. It is having two superstar wide receivers, now one, that haven't been healthy all season. It's having... Uh, your right tackle get injured multiple times. It's having your left tackle play through a high ankle sprain all season. These things add up. The cumulative effects really, really change your identity as an offense. And it's not an excuse. It's just a reality of the situation. So when you look at it, when you have the type of changes that they've faced on the offensive side of the ball, it's hard to establish any type of rhythm whatsoever. So you're missing Jack Conklin. And Blake Hans is my example because He's a great story. I think he's a good football player. He's a guy you want on your roster, but he's out of place at right tackle. He's struggling, particularly in pass protection. And then you now you have to start chipping. Now you have to be right-handed in your protection schemes. You slide the protection to him more, more times than not. So it changes who you are as an organization and your identity on offense. Same thing happens with Baker Mayfield. Again, I'm not excusing it. I'm just pointing out that when you have knee injuries, foot injuries, on top of the shoulder issues, how often did we see rollouts or pocket movement in previous weeks? We saw more this past weekend, which was a positive, and he moved better than we had seen since basically, what, week two? And that and that's a good sign moving forward. But at the same time, it affected play calling and how it was set up for the entire offense. So it's really just this mishmash of, of issues that are all culminating in, the, in not – playing at a higher level and that's the disappointment because the expectations where you would have a good offense pretty much no matter what but because of the cumulative effect of all these injuries and how they're performing things are breaking down and not being executed to its fullest now and, and the weirdest thing is we're talking about exactly the same personnel i mean this is the exact same cast now with you know moving on from odell it's jarvis landry it's donovan people's jones it's Rashard higgins and Brett, we talked about the difficulties this team had last year offensively where it was essentially playing in a box. And obviously the Ravens did their homework and they came in Sunday and said, you know what? 
until you show us you can do it. And it certainly didn't help, you know, Donovan Peoples-Jones early drop in that one. It's very difficult. And, you know, with the injuries they have and with the play calling, not where it was um, last year, they are station to station as an offense. And you want to know what, if you're going to play this game and count yourself to have scoring drives, but you need to go 9, 10, 11, 12 plays, there are so many opportunities for A, penalties, turnovers, mistakes. When you have to play the way this Browns offense does without being able to threaten you know, the back half of the field, the back part of the secondary, it, it's really, really difficult and requires almost, you know, pretty close to perfection to succeed at this. It does. And, you know, it's ironic. And this is something I talked about recently uh, on another show, but it's true. If you look at the system as it's built, it, it's nothing new, right? The The outside zone scheme that we've seen offensively has been around since the mid nineties. It's, it's, you know, it's built off Bill Walsh. It was, it was Mike Shanahan's baby, not Kyle Shanahan, mind you, Mike Shanahan, right? That's how Denver won those championships. And they produced such great running backs over the years, whether it's Terrell Davis and so on and so forth. And so we know it's effective, but the, the irony of it in the way I look at it is if you look at Kyle Shanahan's history, as since he's become offensive coordinator through Houston, Atlanta, and so on, and even Cleveland, he always had or had a relative solid X receiver, right? 150 targets a year for Andre Johnson. 150 targets a year for Julio Jones. And I'm not saying you have to have that guy because look what he's doing with Debo Samuel right now, right? And how he's – Well, to carries count, count as targets? If they do, yeah. then it works. <laughs> you know, it counts as Getting your best player of the ball. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. I go back to what Mike Leach said. I think it was the most brilliant thing ever when it came to offensive football. Balanced – being balanced on offense has nothing to do with a 50-50 split running and throwing the football. It has the ability to get the play or get the ball into the hands of all of your playmakers every game. That's true balance. Now, wherever your playmakers actually are, that depends on your personnel and you find ways to get them the football. So that's what San Francisco does very, very well. That's where Cleveland's failing, in my opinion. Now, is that a result of the system? Is that a result of the dist distributor, i.e. Baker Mayfield? Or is it the personnel itself? Well, I know people don't want to hear this. It's all three at times. It's not just a singular singular problem that you can point your finger and then say, get the hell out of here because you're not good enough. It's all three levels. And I will say that when it comes to Baker Mayfield, um, and we've talked about this before, Jeff, is when you look at him, has he regressed? Yes. Is he Has he improved to what we expect him to this season? Absolutely not, right? So you have to take what it's worth, evaluate, and move forward. He's missed some reads, and we've said this before. I will say it again. We know this. He's also not getting the type of help that an NFL quarterback should be getting consistently from his wide receivers. Donovan Peoples' drop, Peoples Jones' drop was a prime example. But look at the last two passing plays in that final get con or, uh, the last game, right? Try back shoulder throw. Wide receiver slips out of his break. Try to get a first down on an out pattern drop. I mean, if that doesn't encapsulate how everything's gone wrong this year, I don't know what does. <laughs> In a game, you should have won. So it's really difficult to say, to pinpoint specific problems when you start looking towards the draft and not and to address those need areas because there's multiple ones. Let's be honest, right? You, you can address wide receiver. 
You probably want to look at tight end because you don't know about the status of David Njoku past this year, or even Austin Hooper, by the way. You may want to add a running back because the Ernest Johnson's a restricted free agent. They might not put a high tender on him. Maybe you invest in a quarterback to create competition or develop long-term behind Baker Mayfield. Like all these possibilities are real. And that doesn't even include the offensive line where you have a center that has a de degenerative knee issue. You have a right tackle that's coming off two major injuries, <laughs> right? And so there's, there's a lot of things that you can take from what we're watching now and project it beyond the 2021 campaign. It's it's a lot. It's a lot. It's a it's a big ball of wax, and it's it's crazy that it's all come down on the offensive side of the ball here. And we've gone through this all week long. And I suggest, um, I think it drops tomorrow. You all might want to check out uh, Kurt Warner's work tomorrow because uh, Kurt Warner, at least for this week. And look, and this is the thing. And everybody just seems to want to take every little thing and always point it at six. Look, there's been weeks where he's not been good. And, and look, I ain't gonna. But, I mean, the fact we're breaking down the Donovan Peoples-Jones play and saying, oh, well, there was a tight end wide open in the flat. No, catch the damn ball for 30 yards. Set your team up first and goal on the road against your toughest opponent and go score a touchdown on the first drive and set a statement. Not, oh, well, you know, he had the tight end in the flat. You guys are – you're cherry picking, but go ahead, Brent. Well, I, no, I just want to build upon that because you don't know the play. You don't know the progression, right? If, if he's supposed to go Donovan People jones and that's his initial read, that's where the ball goes. That's why the play is designed. That's what you're supposed to do. And I, I make this joke all the time. I'll do it again. It's not Madden. You can't just push a button and magically the ball appears where the open receiver is. You have to be able to work, find the passing lanes, and know where the ball is supposed to go through a timing rhythm offense. So, yes. There are points where Baker could be more patient. Yes, he misses reads. I'm not arguing against that. But it's not as cut and dry as, oh, look, he was open. Maybe we should get him the ball. No, that doesn't – it's not how football – real football works if you've been on the field and understand the intricacies of the offense. Yes, he can do things better. I'm never going to deny that. But at the same time, he's got to get help from the people where he's actually making reads where they're open and he's getting them the ball. It's, it's both. You can have both these things are true. So once you reconcile that, maybe you have a better understanding of where the Cleveland Browns offense is and where they should be moving forward. And and that's the thing, because it's like, look, now we're really, really trying to find a way to point the finger at him. Um, no. And here's the other thing. The tight end in the flat could have dropped the ball, too. I mean, if we're trying to make excuses here to, you know, I mean, it, it's you know, you're trying to do something to dirty it up and absolutely make him the victim here and that's not the case rolled left squared up fired the ball 30 yards downfield number 11 didn't make the play none of this has to do with anything else may have been open this that or the other thing it, it's nonsense and sometimes you guys are going too far with it and uh, we're gonna leave it there we're gonna flip it up here though we're gonna go to uh and brent's got a great team this year uh the guys are all working together here as far as you know the draft coverage we're gonna get to that here um and look you know we will do draft talk on the bye week anyway so if you think I'm conceding this five-game stretch, in no way am I. I will be back on my Browns BS probably by next Wednesday or Thursday talking about how they're going to dismantle the Ravens at home. So, everybody, sit around, hang with us here, and we're going to get to a little bit more here on your latest Locked on Browns. No one plays daily fantasy sports to lose. Winning feels so much better. But traditional fantasy sports are a long-term losing proposition because you never know who 
or what you are up against. Stat Hero is the first of its kind daily fantasy sports platform where it's you versus the house in a head-to-head fantasy matchup. Winner take all. Here's the crazy part. Stat Hero shows you their lineups before you play and handpick the team you want to face one-on-one. This never-before-seen innovation of fantasy sports and sports betting hybrid has Stat Hero players clicking odds that are over four times better. Why? Because you don't have to compete against thousands of experts or unknowns. Stat Hero puts you in control of your fate. With Stat Hero, you're in control of the stakes. You decide how much you're going to play for, and Stat Hero has no choice but to take it because they're daring you to beat them. Stat Hero, head-to-head, is what daily fantasy sports should be one-on-one. Matchups this week, uh, you know, you're looking at, you know, Joe Mixon, who's been absolutely white hot for the Cincinnati Bengals. Do you find a way to go against that with odds in your favor? Maybe with an Alexander Madison. Maybe with an Elijah Mitchell out in San Francisco. Check it out. See what the odds are. If the odds are in your favor and you like it, roll with it. Sign up for free right now at stathero.com slash locked on. Use the promo code locked on for a 100% deposit match. That is stathero.com slash locked on. Again, promo code locked on for a 100% match. Stathero.com slash locked on. Promo code locked on. Terms and conditions may apply. Brent, I'm going to go on the offensive side of the uh, of your big board here. And look, we knew most likely that this Browns wide receiver room was going to be due for a shakeup going into 2022, most likely regardless of what happened in this 2021 season between salary allocution, um, the fact you're trying to get younger, the fact that you're trying to change some things here, but this is looking to be yet another wide receiver class. And this is probably just going to be the way this goes. And I talked about this yesterday with Jordan Reed with the amount of the way football is played now, even down to the high school level, wide receivers are so much more polished so much earlier, which is also leading almost to the edge position being so much more polished, so much more ready earlier because they are just doing these things a lot more at the high school level than certainly they had in years past. This looks like a really, really nice group, Brent. And there's some players here. And what you're kind of looking for is maybe a little bit more size. What are you looking for? Definitely some more speed. And you're looking for some guys that it ain't just enough to catch the ball. It's what in the hell can you do with it after you caught it? And can you get me some yards after? Because in order, you know, and look, this will loosen up coverages as well. If you beat somebody and you take a slant that you caught for nine yards, but you take it 32, teams are going to have no choice but to, you know, pull it off, start dropping guys back a little bit here. So these nine-yard plays don't turn into 30-yard plays. These nine-yard plays till they're in a 12, 13-yard plays. We've seen over the last few years how the depth of the wide receiver position isn't just adapting to the NFL game. We're, we're seeing historic levels of, of wide, quality wide receivers entering the league. And, that, and that's not even hyperbole on my end. Like literally there was more wide receivers drafted in the top 100 last year than any point in – NFL draft history, right? So if we're now looking at a need a wide receiver, one, it's going to be a great free agent class, which is something I'm actually working on at the moment. Two, you got a ton of depth in the draft class. Now, there right, is before we get to this, who for you, who of the potential free agents right now, who looks like the one that would be the best fit? 
see, th- this is an interesting conversation because I was asked a lot about it yesterday on social media when I brought it up because I don't know if they can sign any of the top guys, to be quite frank with you. I'm not sure that they can actually lure them to that's Cleveland. The, the, that's the thing. <laughs> hey, here's $16 million, but are you cool with a lot of weeks of maybe four to yeah. six targets or maybe that's even what, less? Like if, if I'm looking at one, the guy that seems to be maximizing the most while not being a number one guy, while having a potential chance to be the number one guy in Cleveland, Mike Williams from the Los Angeles Chargers, you put him at X, you have you give Baker that expanded strike zone, as it were, and I think that would help them, not to mention he's an excellent vertical threat. So if I had to pick one, that would probably be my choice, and he fits the profile, 27 years old, coming off his first contract. That's exactly what Andrew Barry looks for every offseason. Uh, and he's kind of a different body type than anyone we're going to talk about in this draft class because if you mentioned it, right? You don't have that truly elite wide receiver. It could have been Drake London, but obviously he has the broken ankle. We have to see how he recovers um, and how healthy he'll be by the time he's in the NFL draft, if he even declares, which isn't guaranteed at this point, now that Lincoln Riley's head coach. So that's not a given. When you look at the next group, we have six wide receivers graded in the first round. Beyond Drake London, which we're assuming he's going to be healthy and declares, we have as our wide receiver one. Chris Olave from Ohio State, Jahan Dotson from Penn State, Garrett Wilson, Ohio State, Traylon Burks from Arkansas, Jamison Williams from Alabama, and Justin Ross from Clemson. Now, now Ross may surprise some. Uh, he was looked like a top 10 talent early in his career. Obviously, he had the, the spinal issue that had to be surgically uh, fixed. That, that will be a big part of his evaluation. He's also not produced a ton this year, but that has nothing to do with the wide receiver and everything to do with the quarterback position at Clemson at the moment, because you don't have Deshaun Watson. You don't have Trevor Lawrence. (laughs) I'm not even going to try to pronounce DJ's last name as their quarterback at the moment. So you have to project traits and what you saw previously with him. And what's interesting is that every guy I just mentioned has completely different skill sets. So it depends what you're looking for. And an argument can be made. And there's two of them I want to make an argument for. Because we know Garrett Wilson's explosive, right? He's the Jalen Waddle of this class. He's the guy that can take any play and turn into a 50, 60, 70-yard touchdown. Jahan Dotson is – gadget guy is not the right word, but he is he is a creator in space. He's the guy that you want to get the ball to. You want to let him do his work after the catch. I'm interested in Olave because, one – He's the most refined route runner in the class, very smooth. You can rely on him to be in the right spot at all times, and that's something Cleveland's lacked. And we don't talk about it enough, but when when you have stars like Landry and Beckham, they're going to run routes the way they feel routes should be run, not how they're always necessarily taught. And that's difficult for a quarterback if you're not in the right place at the right time. So I think Alave would be a nice addition because he's someone that is that type of route runner that you would need in the system. Very much like uh, Stefan Diggs as he st- as he was developing and how smooth he became. So someone like that. Traylon Burks is the other. And the reason I mentioned Burks, I stated this yesterday on Twitter. I've comped him to Jarvis Landry. Not from a physical traits perspective. Obviously, he's much bigger. 6'3", 225, 230. He almost, he's almost built like a running back, essentially, at wide receiver. And... He's probably a tick faster than Jarvis Landry, if not two ticks, because we know how how Jarvis runs. But why I stated he's like Jarvis is the way he's utilized in his skill sets very similar. 
big, strong hands. You're going to, he's going to block for you. He's going to work from the slot. He's going to work outside. He's going to do the things that's asked of him, even the dirty little things. And he's fantastic creating after the catch. So that's why I, I, I make that allusion to the two of them uh, and how I see them fitting similarly in Cleveland's system. Because, I mean, let's be frank, odds are Jarvis isn't with Cleveland next year. I mean, let's just say it, right? And we knew that, and it's nothing new. As you said, you already discussed this with Jordan, and that's a tough act to follow for me. But it comes down to financial. It was never about it was never about performance. Unless both of those guys performed out of their minds this year, they weren't retaining both, if not not getting rid of both along the way. And we knew that. We've known that since last April, right? So even though things ended poorly with Odell Beckham Jr., all it did was slightly expedite what was already going to happen. So the, these discussing these wide receivers is just an extension of a conversation that started eight months ago. And now you just have to evaluate and feel who fits best within the organization, who may be available. And quite frankly, now that Cleveland sits at the 15th overall slot, every name I just mentioned could very well be on the board. Yeah. Um, and we'll see what, the way it trends here sitting at six and six and obviously five, you know, solid opponents remaining on the Brown schedule. And this is going to be, you know, I don't know whether, you know, it's going to go through free agency or go through the draft. This is going to be minimum double dipping, if not bringing in, you know, three wide receivers some way, somehow, because, you know, once you move on from Landry and look, we all love Rashard Higgins, but there's going to come a point where Rashard Higgins is just going to say, look, I've got to go try it somewhere else. Um, You know, I think he could have maybe made a difference in the Raven game just due to experience, but Obviously, the, it's it, there's a disconnect there between what we feel about Rashard Higgins and obviously what this front office feels about him. But you're going to have to get some new blood in here. You certainly want to get younger. You want to get faster. You'd like to get bigger at the position. There's no way around it. And there are a bunch of guys. And it's funny because how quickly it's, like you said, trended downward here where, you know, because there's always that no way in hell, guys. Stephen Thomas, I know you love that. And all of a sudden, a lot of these guys are no longer no way in hell guy in Odds are, I mean, you may have your choice of all of them, maybe, but one if you're at 15 or because also the thing is, is with this so many wide receivers, the run can start a little later. You'll still get a ton of them in the top 100, but it's always kind of like, all right, well, who pops the cork? And oh, now we're going to go on the wide receivers, you know, very similar to like any type of fantasy draft or anything of that nature. Once the run starts, everybody's all right, well, we'll go. All right, we got to get in here, get our guys. Um, But really, really interesting from that standpoint. Offensive line, and again, it feels weird, Brent, that we're actually talking about this. And you know, who knows? Maybe Hudson gets it right and can help out next year. You know, who knows what? You know, how long exactly Conklin's going to be out, and you know, the injuries for Conklin. I mean, it, it brutal. You know, dislocated elbow, and obviously the torn patella. Probably when he came back a little earlier than needed to, because his team needed him. Um, and JC Treader again. It's. For JC, it's just a. I think we're kind of amazed it's still going on because I go back to the Chief game. I'm sorry, the Charger game in 2018, and I remember Jake Burns was in the house, and JC Trader got hurt that day. Walked out with a walking boot, and Jake's like, "Yeah, we're lucky if we see this guy in a month." And there he was out there Friday, basically casted in tape, doing what he had to do, and hasn't missed a game since, to his credit. But there's only so much the body can do. Are are there some options here? keeping in mind that this can't be something where the Browns can attack this maybe round one or even round two, maybe round three, round four. And you got to really do your diligence to find somebody who can hopefully contribute right away when you're drafting them in that position. 
Well, you want me to say Tyler Linderbaum. I want to say Tyler Linderbaum. Tyler Linderbaum is one of the top five prospects in this class as a center. So that gives you an idea of how talented that young man is. And not only is he talented, he is the absolute perfect fit for an outside zone scheme because mm-hmm. guess what? That's what he runs at Iowa. That's what he you does. Go. That's what he excels. He would be the ultimate pick to piss off Browns fans, yet perfectly fit what they need. <laughs> could you imagine and, him and Teller? Could you imagine him and Teller double teaming people? Oh, it I would mean, be. You know, guys would retire. I, I gotta go. I, I gotta. I'm out. I'm out. I can't do this. I'm getting horny just thinking about it. I am <laughs> sorry. Um, so I won't because I don't think he'll be there, even if they move up from 15. I, I legitimately believe he's a top 10 talent, much like a he. He's the he's the unicorn. Right, he's the Quentin Nelson. He's the Kyle Pitts. The guys at non-premium positions that are so damn good, you can't do anything about it. From a but, just draft them because he'll be great on your team. Without him in the conversation, since we just rambled on about him for two minutes, looking at J.C. Treader, I was told over a year ago the knee shot, mm-hmm. right? So if the knee shot and he's on the Joe Thomas practice schedule, which means he doesn't practice for the most part, he shows up in games, plays well, and that's all you're getting out of it. Not to mention next offseason, you can save $7.25 million with his release. Odds are you're looking for a replacement. If it's not Linderbaum, where do you go? And that's really an interesting question because when are you going to invest in the center position? I do believe Nick Harris is capable of excelling in this scheme. It's the only scheme I think he can excel in, but I do yep. believe he can be a starting player. So if you if you don't believe in him fully based on two years of seeing him, and I'm not saying they don't because obviously he's got a lot of first-team reps over the last two, two pre-seasons, off-seasons, and regular practice schedule during the regular season. So he's worked a lot with the first-team offense. So they may just be comfortable moving on with him, and that's perfectly fine. If not, beyond Linderbaum, a couple of names I would look at, John Michael Schmitz from Minnesota, Jarrett Patterson from Notre Dame, James MP from BYU. These are guys that I've seen in your zone schemes that can have the lateral agility to excel and potentially have starting potential. So as I say, potential too many times, that's a writer in me. I'm awesome. Um, Looking at it, I think you can get a guy in the third, fourth round that can step in almost immediately to start but you have to pull that trigger based on where you believe the development of Nick Harris is and also moving on from JC Treader. It's, it, it, it's going to be a lot. It's going to be a lot to do. And it, it certainly didn't feel like this in the beginning of the season. It certainly felt like this team was set going into this season, but it just goes to show you the way things evolve and how crazy things can get in the NFL. I'm going to flip it up here. I'm going to talk a little bit on the defensive side of the ball here. The Bleacher Report, big board, top 150. Brent and the team doing a fantastic job over there. We're going to get flip it up here, see what might fill some possible Browns needs on that side of the ball. Bet Online has you covered all season. More props, odds, and lines than ever before as football season continues the march of the playoffs. Bet Online remains your number one spot for all the sports action this season. Head to our new updated desktop or mobile website to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use the promo code LOCKED ON from basketball, football, NHL, boxing, and UFC, right to your favorite Vegas casino games. Don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021 season. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet all your favorite sports. Bet online where the game starts. Defensive side of the ball. And Brent, uh, uh, you know, 
defensive tackle class, it's it's, it's I'm good. not sure. Not sure not it's good. gonna fill, not sure it's gonna fit the need. Certainly not, not sure good. it's gonna fit the need. No. <laughs> but Jadavian Clowney, for right now, he's a Brown for five games, maybe a playoff run. Tack McKinley, five games, maybe a playoff run. And you look at this edge class and whew, and like just like I said earlier with the wide receiver class, these guys are coming out more refined. And there's one guy out of Michigan who may, and I'm not talking about Aiden Hutchinson, this guy may be the best of the best when he actually knows what the hell he's doing, which is so amazing what David Ajabo does to this point. But you look at this edge class, and when you're arguing, oh, well, is Carefulitis number one? Is it Thibodeau number one? Is it Hutchinson number one? So that gets you to three right there. And then you, well, is this guy top 10, but yet may still carry a grade of being a top 40 player? Yeah, when I look at it, this is an awesome edge class. And it's not just top-heavy. You actually have legitimate depth. So, yes, you have Thibodeau, Karloftis, and Hutchinson. I'm serious when I say that could be one, two, three. Like, we're used to seeing quarterbacks. If you don't know who the number one quarterback is, you might as well go get yourself your pass rusher. Exactly. And quite frankly, you don't want to have to be the the team searching for a number one quarterback in this draft. You don't (laughs) at all, period. And while we, we tend to like Desmond Ritter from Cincinnati more than most, We still only have him ranked 20th overall. So that gives you an idea of where the quarterback is. But this is a defensive heavy draft, at least from the edge perspective. As I stated, the defensive tackle class beyond Jordan Davis is not good and and lacks depth on top of it. But among the edges, there's a lot of potential. And even you get past Thibodeau, Karloftis, and Hutchinson. Ojaba, who you were alluding to, fits that profile, man. And I say this a lot when it comes to the Browns and evaluations, fitting the profile, knowing what they're looking for, particularly in the first round, because what what have we seen through Andrew Barry's first two drafts? What are what are the keys age? So usually an underclassman pipeline program. And I'm talking just, you know, the uh, the power five conferences. I'm not saying they have to be an overwhelming Alabama or Ohio State every single time because Northwestern obviously isn't. But it's a Big Ten school. Finally, positional value. They they prioritize premium positions. And now we only have a small sample size based off two draft classes. But at the same time, if you're looking at where the needs of the Cleveland Browns are, edge is a premium position in potential need. Now, let me go on a quick tangent because I will say this. If Cleveland Browns are going to prioritize one player this offseason, it should be Jadavian Clowney and getting him re-signed. Because he's playing some of the best football we've seen since early in his career. And he meshes very well with Miles Garrett. This is a good spot for him. That It allows him to be the type of defender that we that we all projected when he came out of South Carolina's number one overall pick. So even if Clowney's re-signed, you're still looking for depth. Okay, Ojabo is someone in the first round that you would bring in that has the skill set. See, Hutchinson's very different from Ojabo when it comes to the way they play the game. Hutchinson's far more refined, more of a strength player, power player. You let you see a lot of bull rushes. You see a lot of counters off the bull rush and long arms. Ajabo's he's the one that has the flexion, the ability to turn the corner, the, the, the explosive first step, the guy that can get around and do more traditional things as an edge. This doesn't make either one better than the other. It's just stating that they win different ways. And so I think when you have Ajabo, he fits – all of those profiles, or if it's all the profile that the Cleveland Browns want. 
But even you get beyond that, right? You get guys that can legitimately get after the quarterback. For us, we have Drake Jackson, USC, Jermaine Johnson, Florida State, Arnold Ebiketti from Penn State. Got that one. Notre Dame's Isaiah Foskey, if he declares. Kingsley, Kingsley Enigbare from South Carolina, right? These are all guys going to go within the first couple rounds. And they all have different skill sets, but I think each of them could help Cleveland based on what the Browns decide to do with Clowney, whether they, they need to be a replacement and you prioritize it earlier, or you need that third defensive end to make sure when Garrett and Clowney get dinged, because they will, we know they will, you have that third option that can still get after the quarterback and you don't have a precipitous fall off from your pass rush. Uh, certainly. And it, it, it's just something, look, and if they went this deep this year with, you know, Clowney and with McKinley, with Miles Garrett, this is something, and now you talked about, obviously, you know, position priority. This is not going to change. Uh, you know, you get after the quarterback, you knock the quarterback down. Odds are passes don't get completed. Um, so a fun class, and I think there's a little bit of everything, some size to it. It doesn't really look like these guys are under undersized. Ajabo really kind of just, for me, I look at someone like that and I just see – the potential and for what can still to come. And now you get him into the NFL where it's just strictly focused on, you know, becoming a better player, becoming a better pass rusher. Hell, he was covering the you know, record 20 yards down the field in the game on Saturday. So you know that there's a lot of athleticism there and a lot of untapped potential that can still come out with this player, obviously late to the game, unlike some other guys in this class here. Now the rest of this group, now the, obviously the safety position looks fantastic. And Ronnie Harrison, it's it's in limbo. Obviously, there was a great, great effort by him Sunday night against the Ravens. No idea what his contract demands are. No idea if the Browns are even looking to go further there. But Joe Woods, who, in my opinion, looks pretty safe at this point for everybody that wanted to dog him. Uh, this defense has certainly turned it around and gotten to where we all thought it was going to be. Safety could be something. You move on from Ronnie Harrison, there might be, you know, Joe Woods might want Yet another one because, you know, he loves this, loves walking one up, playing the pseudo linebacker position. So there could certainly be a need here, Brent, to possibly look at the safety position. I don't think there's a possibility about it. I think it's legit that you have to address <laughs> safety at some point because, let's be fair, I don't I don't believe Ronnie Harrison's going to be resigned at least to, to the level that he, he would what, like to as a free agent. So <clears throat> the thing about the current crop of Cleveland's safeties is, they have some redundancy in their skill sets, right? Ronnie Harrison has played better in recent weeks, mind you. I'm not trying to dog him, but he's a box safety. He's a, you know, he's a dime linebacker. That's what that's that's what he is, and he can excel in that area. But you know, he's going to be limited in coverage and uh, what you can do on the back end. So if you have him a strong safety, now you have John Johnson playing free safety, and that's not necessarily his best position either. You don't want him as a single high safety. You want him as a playmaker being moved all around all around the field. Grant Delpit's very similar in that regard. So you don't have a true deep safety unless we're counting Richard LeCount, and maybe he becomes that guy, right? Because in Los Angeles, who allowed, who allowed Johnson to move up and do all the things that he did in that number one ranked offense? It was Jordan Fuller, a six-round pick out of Ohio State, who was a true free safety and could play that back end. He's a very good young player. So can you get something like that out of LeCount? And I think that's what's interesting when you look at the safety class because you have to understand how those skill sets would work within this scheme. And if you lose Harrison and maybe you start moving Johnson around more, playing him more near the box, more up 
closer to the line of scrimmage. Who are those free safeties, right? And the interesting ones to me that aren't worth first round uh, grades, but yet have interesting skill sets are Texas A&M's Damani Richardson, one of the better zone coverage safeties in college football. You, allow, you can allow him to play on the back end. And then I'll look at it, at it a little differently as well. Daxton Hill from Michigan. I'm not trying to stick to Michigan, guys. I know some people are still <laughs> sore about that. But Daxton Hill's interesting in that not only is he a safety, but he's also one of the best nickel corners in the class. So don't forget, not only may you may the Browns have to address safety, but Troy Hill is only on a one-year deal, and mm-hmm. then you'll need to cover the slot too. So if you can get the type of skill set like Hill presents, where he is a safety by trade, but spends most of his time covering the slot, that's a good value for you in the mid-rounds and how to address your secondary and really fortify it instead of allowing it to to regress based on potential departures. It's it, – I can't believe we've actually gotten to this, you know, where it – it, 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 it appears the needs are this great. And look, five weeks could change a lot of this, certainly. Uh, and it's like, it's, I understand everybody's frustration um, at six and six. And it's not even so much that it's six and six, and it's just that it's blazingly obvious so many wins that were left on the table where you're, you know, talking eight and four, possibly nine and three. And that, without a question, is the most frustrating part. And I get it, guys. I do. We're all frustrated, um, and especially somebody whose um, you know profitability requires downloads, and not a lot of people want to fire up as much when they talk about a disappointing effort like Sunday night in Baltimore. But we do appreciate everybody who makes Lockdown Browns their first listen day in day out. Brad Soboleski and the team over at Bleacher Report do a fantastic job. Um, you know, obviously, you know, split between you know covering the NFL right now, but also peeking ahead to the 2022 NFL draft, Brent and his team. Um, make sure you're checking out all the work um, at Brent Sobolewski. Brent does a fantastic job. Always appreciate him making the time here. Um, and it's good here for us older dads. We can kick the kids out and actually do this stuff at breakfast when our minds are fresh and ready to rock. So make sure you're checking all that stuff out. Me personally, at Jeff underscore LJ underscore Lloyd. Follow back account, as you all know. Uh, DMs are open. At Locked On Browns, again, follow back account. DMs are open. Everybody knows questions, ideas, frustrations. Hit the DMs if you choose. You know you're more than welcome to whatever platform you use for your podcast. Make sure you subscribe. You're following the Locked On Browns podcast. Five star ratings, written reviews. Uh, got at least one or two more to go this week here as we're here on the bye week, mixing in some current Browns, some future stuff. Who else knows what else will unfold uh, as the week the bye week goes on? This has been. Your daily delivery of all things talk about. LGB on the LOB. Let's go, Browns.